Amen. Well, grace and peace, Hope. I'm, I'm grateful, as always, for the privilege of, of being with you guys this morning. I want to just pray and uh, jump right into God's word. Uh, let's pray. Um, Father, we are um, so grateful for you this morning. Uh, we're grateful for you in this season of Lent, where we are reminded uh, not only of your sacrifice for us, but that even through what looked like death, you brought about new life. O Emmanuel, our master, our king, our giver of law, the, the one who came to save and redeem us, our Lord and our God. And may the words that proceed from my mouth this morning as the exposit of your word, I pray, would point us towards the hope uh, peace, love, and joy that you brought us, and that you did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied yourself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, you humbled yourself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. May you and you alone be exalted. Amen. Today's text is uh, from Luke 1, verses 39 down to verse 56. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 56, and we'll, we'll read the text together. The text reads, it says, And at the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child whom you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is God's word. Calvin Miller writes this. He says that I would believe in Jesus if only one reason. That is because these little people who were absolutely rule and virtually prosaic suddenly become inflamed with the world 
in their minds. People like Simon Peter, who was once content to fish in a little lake called Galilee, he died 1,500 miles away in Rome because he got to preach the gospel in a bigger context. He says, I think this is remarkable because then here's Mary, a hill girl, who suddenly is doing this beautiful sonnet we call the Magnificent. And she sings and the world is thrilled. Operas are written about it. Nobody but God could put this together, Miller says. Luke, in his introductory work, goes on to tell the story of John the Baptist, beginning with the story of his own birth and his faithful parents as faithful adherents to the law. And yet they lacked the ability to conceive a child and had grown past the age when they would have been culturally acceptable to be parents of young children. Uh, John the Baptist's father, though, uh, was among the priestly servants. Uh, he was of the, the temple, and, and while he was at work, he encountered an angel uh, who gave him this incredible news of his son who would be uh, born to him uh, that would make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John's father, Zechariah, though, when the angel comes, he, he tells him this good news. Uh, Zechariah, he responds with questions. He, he says that, that he's just completely doubtful in his response to the angel. And he tells him uh, that because of his doubts, because of his questioning, um, he would be silenced until the birth of his son. Uh, this, though, presents only the first of a really stark contrast as an angel also then comes to Mary. But Mary is told the news of great favor from God and she has been chosen to be the womb by which she would carry the child she is to name Jesus. But unlike Zechariah, Mary's probably in her, her youthful exuberance, she shines in, in what I would contend to be some of the most profound words in all of scripture. Uh, she tells the angel sent from God, she says, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Or better yet, let's, let's say it like this. That she says, Mary, Mary is saying that whatever it is that God has for me, that's exactly what I want. And I am admittedly though, not much of a TV fan, but I, I remember flipping through the channels the other day and there was something that drew me in that seemed almost prophetic, especially in understanding the scriptures application that we're looking at today. It is the story of this young lady uh, who in her early 20s had fallen into grave addictions. Uh, she had appeared as only the shell of the beautiful girl that when she graduated high school, at the top of her class, she received uh, over a million dollars in college scholarship funds. She was a star athlete and played in the marching band, but under the influence of someone as a uh, freshman in college that she believed to be a friend, she was introduced to drugs that began her life's spiral downward. To support her habit though, she 
she began to steal from friends and family. And she even from time to time committed unseemly acts only to fund these grave addictions. Yet there was a father. And he was a father who knew of her greatness, even when she could not see it for herself. And he knew that what she needed most was an intervention that would bring the transformation back into the right standing of life. And we celebrate each year in this Lenten season, God the Father's own intervention into the story of humanity. Lent is an indictment that draws us to recognize our desperate need for a savior. It calls us to live with expectancy of his sacrifice and his redemption. Jesus alone brings meaning and purpose to our lives. Mary's interaction with the angel from God uh, is an admission uh, of God himself, that he is at work to bring about the change that we desperately need in our lives. And he, he doesn't come, though, in the way that we expect. Jesus comes in meekness. He comes to a poor, humble teenage girl. And the story begins with details of the birth of John the Baptist. He does this as this remarkable reminder of God's own handiwork in establishing the lineage of his covenant promise to us. It's imperative to note though that Luke uh, has this incredible depiction of women. He depicts them as being prominent within his gospel story, which is unique, especially in his cultural reality. So much of that, it just adds value to the scripture's truth. It seems almost ridiculous to think that Mary and Elizabeth would be featured as the heroines, but Luke is intentional in showing that their measure of faith is unparalleled. John the Baptist arrives as the bookend to hundreds of years of perceived silence from God. So know that John is a reminder of how God himself roars back into the story of our lives. And even Zechariah has to recognize that the promises of God are true. And Jesus comes to us as the God who has visited us and redeemed us. In just the next chapter over, Simeon and Anna, who had lived these long lives, but they lived life with expecting to see the Messiah come and to find fulfillment in an infant child being carried into the temple. This is the same longing that you and I are called to as we await Jesus's second coming. Jesus is, is coming to right the wrongs of our world. He is coming to bring about true justice and truth. And Mary's song in today's text is the unveiling of the one true living God who intervenes in humanity's story. That he's wielding empires to, to bring about his purposes for even in what we seem uh, as to be as adversity in Mary's song as yet the embodiment of holiness, of God shaping and molding grace for us.
the grace by which we come to know Jesus, to love and enjoy Jesus, and the work to make Jesus known. And we're then rewarded with lives of peace from the wrath of God, as he is most glorified for his good pleasure. In verse 39 through 46, it reads, it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke's narrative here of Mary's response to the angel's words draws her to hastily go in action. Uh, she starts to travel to see Zechariah and Elizabeth. So Luke isn't just writing something spiritual for us. He's writing something that is a historical reality. So he includes these unique details about when and where things take place. Elizabeth hears Mary walking through the door and immediately the baby inside her leaps for joy as he knows that in Mary's room, she carries God himself. And the text says that Mary is filled with the Holy Spirit as even in the womb, we see the prophetic fulfillment of his cause to prepare the way for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's presence shows that God alone is at work in his people. In verses 42 through 45, it reads, it says, that she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth's words here of blessings over Mary and the child that she carries directly contradicts how many of us would think of blessings though, right? A Mary, this teenage girl who is so favored by God would have a happily ever after kind of life. She wouldn't know what it means to go through a broken engagement that would require an angel coming to see her man for a relationship to be reconciled. She, she'd see her children grow strong and wise and not watch her eldest child suffer the punishment of criminals by dying on an old rugged cross. She had to know the material wealth and a pregnancy that would be glowing and beautiful and not have to suffer through an arduous walk through the desert or uncomfortably on the back of a donkey because some Dumb king wanted to exert his power. She gave birth in the finest of medical facilities around it, not on the floor of a barn with the terrible stench of angels around, of animals around, only to lay the blessed child that she bore in the place that animals would feed. Is this so this is what we call blessed. I got you though, I, I know that you're listening and you, you gotta be thinking that 
that Jesus comes to bring us peace and, and prosperity, right? And we can just forget about texts like Matthew 10, but where Jesus just tells us that, that you don't have to, to think that he came to bring peace to the earth, that he came to bring a sword. And in fact, Jesus says that your enemies aren't even going to be external, but they're going to come within your own household. See, true blessedness is a call to a life of service to Christ only to die in eternal rest in him. So if you're suffering in some area of life, uh, I pray that you would suffer well, that you would draw near to Jesus, that you might richly experience the greatness of our God, even in your suffering. Look, though, now at how Elizabeth responds. She says, girl, what are you doing here? Uh, at least that's how it uh, reads in my Black Standard Version of the Bible. But she is astounded that this girl walks in the door carrying her Lord and Savior, and she calls her blessed. And look at how Mary responds, because she just breaks out singing like, a Broadway musical. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. See, Mary's soul magnifies the Lord suggests that the very innermost part of her being seeks to praise the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. If Mary starting her song sounds familiar in some way, uh, it should, because she takes the same approach that the psalmist use in singing their praises to God. It's a song of thanks. Because of his mercy shown to us here uh, in verse 46 and 47. And she says that she magnifies God. And look now at the following verses. She's going to tell us why. She says in verse 48, she says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all the generations will call me blessed. And I want to make sure that you get something here that's essential in Mary's song. Notice that she does not separate herself from being one who desperately needs the salvation that the child that she carries brings. Turn to whoever you're streaming with this morning and tell them you gotta be humble. You gotta be humble. Mary knows that it's out of her humility that God has favored her. Scripture teaches us that God opposes the proud and to those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled and the humbled will be exalted. And Mary's story is a primary example of this. So look then at verse 49, he says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And can I just tell you something that this song reminds me of? It's this reality that the God of the universe longs to be in relationship with you and I. It's to know that he dictates the commands of the world, the demands for righteous living, and that he even offers himself as the sacrifice knowing that his righteousness is not something we could achieve on our own. So then in verse 50, 
It says that his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. The mercy of God is by far the, the most profound thing in all of human history. God himself is mercy. If you want to see the very heart of God, you have to know his mercy. The gospel is God's passion and display of mercy for the world that he created. And this coming from generation to generation means that Mary's song is as true for you and I as it was for her. In verses 51 through 52, it says that he has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and despite the reality that everything good in our lives comes from God alone it's remarkable for me to see so many people who live by the power of their own accomplishments Proverbs 16 18 says that the pride in this way comes only before destruction. This is pride that seeks to take away glory from God, that we would see our lives as being lived by our own power rather than being instruments in his hands. And that we're simply called to live lives in faithfulness. Verse 54 says, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Notice the contrast though that, that Mary makes here about God. She says, it's this, it's this contrast of those who live in the measure of reliance on God's mercy and goodness and those who live lives in self-sufficiency. And let me warn you though from thinking that this is only an implication of affluence or wealth. See, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount flips realities like this upside down. So it's why we, we see things like the first will be last and the last will be first and the rich will be poor and the poor will be rich. See, Jesus models this in his own life, yet for our sake he became poor so that we could be rich. And that's what the cross does. It turns life upside down. And when people expected the Messiah to arrive as the king who lived in a palace, who was a great military leader, no, Jesus came as a baby being born in a manger. And when sinners expected to be turned away, no, Jesus, Jesus ate and drank with them and offered them forgiveness. In verses 54 through 55, we read, it says that he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to his fathers by Abraham and to his offspring forever. How has God helped us? By sending his son, Jesus. The author of Hebrews amplifies this truth for us. In Hebrews 1, he says that long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. This is who Jesus is. 
Finally, in verse 56, it says, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. I love verse 56. Luke is intentional about everything that he writes. So he doesn't include verse 56 here as a minor detail. No, uh, there's something incredibly important even in this simple statement. I want you to compare this to the way we first saw Mary at the beginning of the chapter. Remember that Mary spoke with an incredible urgency. She immediately rose up and went to see Zechariah and Elizabeth after the angel visited hers. Everything was done in a hurry. She was pushing forward. And now she, she's getting there. She, she, she tells Elizabeth and Zechariah what's been going on. And she didn't hurry. She, she didn't try to make anything happen by her own power. It says, no, she, she spent three months in the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And why does she do this? The text says that she was waiting. And what was she waiting for? She was waiting to go home. The church celebrates Lent and this second coming of Christ because, because we just want to go home. Home, that place where there are no viruses that take the lives of, of hundreds of thousands of people. Place where we don't have to agonize as what seems like the daily reminder of someone being killed as a result of gun violence. Home that place where there is no political strife among those who claim themselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. The place where we don't have to suffer anymore. And if you're like me and you're longing for home, let me point you to some hope right out of the scriptures and revelations 22 and 30, it says that he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. And John, the revelator responds, amen, come Lord Jesus. And until that day, may we sing songs like this, come thy fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnets. Sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by thy help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Let me just, as your brother, call you to live each and every day of your lives like you're waiting to go home. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word to us today. 
Father, as, as, as heirs of your kingdom, Lord, we live in this longing for home, longing for peace in our world, longing for true justice, longing for holiness and righteousness. And we thank you, God, for, for hearing our prayers, for, for not being silent, God, but through your word, continuing to speak righteousness to us, allowing us to, to see that there is hope yet to come and hope that has already come in your son, Jesus. And let us live each day, Lord, with this pursuit of being at home. We thank you and praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.